This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. And right back at a few minutes after 4 o'clock, ready to take your calls. It is a call-in show after all. 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell is the way to go. You have questions about your employment, uh, your severance, your workplace, workplace harassment, your boss, overtime, doesn't matter. Bring it on. Leah here to answer your questions uh, for about the next hour or so, a little less. So uh, bring them on when you are ready. We are ready for you. Anytime you want to reach out uh, outside of the call-in, you can go to 604-283-3123 and help at employmenthour.com. Lots to get through, including uh, termination, uh, what it's all about, and we'll get into that conversation just a bit. First, as always, uh, Leah, we get to the uh, the week that was. What is happening? Lots, John. It's been mm-hmm. a, it's been a busy start to the new year. It's been a great start to Good. the new year, um, and it's interesting because we're operating in a different market today uh, than we were even this time last year. It's a pretty solid employment market. Um, you know, I think job vacancy rate is at an all time high. Um, unemployment rate is is fairly low, and so right. you've got a lot of people switching to new jobs. Um, you know, looking for bigger and better, just trying to get out there and make lateral switches or promotional switches whenever they can. So what I've been seeing coming across my desk a lot in the last week and the last month are uh, requests for a contract review. I've been seeing a ton of those and I do them all the time and I'm happy to do them and I I think it's such a fabulous idea. Every time mm-hmm. somebody contacts me to say, you know, I, I have to review this contract, um, you know, can I get it back in a couple of days? I tell them, of course, and I will make this a priority because that is how important it is that you have your contract reviewed. Um, and one of the things that I wanted to touch upon because I've been seeing a lot of it, um, are probationary periods. Uh, okay. They're in almost every contract that I see. Um, and I certainly always recommend them to my employer clients. They are generally good. They're pretty, they're a pretty low risk way of assessing fit for both employer and employee. But as with many things related to employment law, uh, they are riskier than they might appear. So okay. specifically to employers out there, there's this idea that you can kind of set it and forget it, right? That you can just put in your contract that, you know, you've got three months of a probationary period and the employee can be fired at any time for any reason with no severance. You also mm-hmm. see a lot of employers putting in longer periods of probation or giving themselves license to take a three month probationary period and then extend it. In some cases, John, I'm seeing, you know, 12 to 18 month probationary periods. Wow. And this is completely legal, but If you're an employer, you need to keep in mind that if you're putting in a probationary period longer than three months and you terminate them while on probationary period after the three-month mark, you need to pay them severance. You don't get to terminate the employee for nothing throughout the entire probationary period. And I tend to be of the view that any probationary period that's longer than three months in the contract should expressly say that a termination will pay severance in accordance with the ESA, particularly if it's longer than three months. It's not technically required by our law right now, but I definitely like to play it safe rather than be sorry in these situations. And so I highly recommend that you have something in there that says that any longer than three months and you're going to be paid your minimum amounts under the Employment Standards Act. But you also need to be careful on those long terms. I certainly understand 
understand why employers are seeking to put them in. They want more time to assess fit, and they can. Yep. But in order to terminate someone who is on a probationary period and not have that constitute a wrongful dismissal, at, the employer needs to prove that they gave the employee a fair shot that they were given a chance. So the employee needs to know the standards they're being held to, they need to be advised if they're falling short of those standards, and they need to be supported in an improvement. So the longer the probationary period, I think the more time there is for a court to really scrutinize the actions of the employer in that case. Um, so, you know, I, I build those things into my employer-client contracts as well, that, you know, if you have any questions about what the standards are or what we're looking for, um, then, you know, it's an open-door policy and please ask. Now, for employees... Well, think, sorry. So I'm just going to say, I think even before you get your hands on it and you craft a proper uh, probation uh, clause inside an agreement for an employer, I think it's, it's assumed by not only a lot of employers but employees that a probation period is automatic, and it's not. It's a, it is a creature of a contract. It's not automatic across the board, correct? Absolutely correct. It is not automatic. Uh, if you don't mm. have something in your contract that provides for a probationary period, then you... Mm. I mean, you can still be terminated without any reason, but if you terminate somebody inside a three-month notice or their three-month, uh, first three months of employment, you have to give them severance if you don't otherwise have a really robust termination provision. And as we know, and as we've spoken about many times on this show, short service employees are getting longer and longer periods of notice. So if you terminate somebody after they've been working, working for you for two months, and there's no termination provision and there's no probationary provision, you could be looking, honestly, crazy as it sounds, at paying possibly two to three months of common law severance, especially right. if you, uh, you know, if you induced them to come over from a prior employer. Um, you know, if, if that's at all in play, it could be even longer than the two to three month mark. But with respect to employees on probationary periods, I think, first of all, it's so important to know what being on a probationary term means. Um, like I said, it's not a technical requirement that a probationary period mm -hmm. explicitly says what kind of severance you're going to get, because the state of our law right now is that a probationary period automatically means that you're going to get the minimum entitlements under the Employment Standards Act. So if you're signing on to a 12 to 18 month probationary period, know what that that means that you're limiting yourself to one to two weeks of severance in the event right. that you're terminated during that time. Whereas if that wasn't there, you again would be looking at two, three, maybe even four to five months. Um, you know, I also think that with probationary periods, it should allow the employee to resign with no notice either. Right. In my view, probationary right. period right. has to be so that employers and employees are assessing the fit equally. And so if the employer is going to say, we can terminate you with no notice, then I think that it has to extend to the employee who should be able to resign with no notice as well. Uh, and again, employees know the standards that you're being held against. If you're being told to improve your performance, but you don't understand why, ask. And as always, ask in writing. I had a, a client recently who uh, was terminated during a 12-month probationary period. And when we initially spoke about his claim, said, you know, I have no idea why it was terminated. I didn't get any feedback. You know, it's completely perplexing to him. And then as we're kind of going through it, uh, documentation's produced that shows that he was told that he wasn't working up to snuff. 
he just didn't understand what that meant. And so while he was telling me the truth, it comes across that he was told the entire time that he should have been performing better and yet didn't do his side of the diligence to uh, to make the relationship work. So in that case, I always recommend that an employee, if you don't know what's going on, if you're getting kind of mediocre or even bad feedback, ask. Ask what the standards are. Ask how you can improve and ask in writing. The number, by the way, to call in anytime, 604-280-9898. If you're scratching your head about this or any other topic uh, having to do with your employment, your job, star 9898 on your cell. What else you got going on, pal? Yeah, just a quick one on um, on constructive dismissals because I find, too, that when markets tend to be good, you've got a lot of companies who um, have a whole bunch of free time to kind of assess how they want the direction of the company to go, right? So, you know, they consider maybe opening another location or they consider restructuring in a way that benefits the company uh, for new vision moving forward. And so I wanted to just briefly touch on the concept of a constructive dismissal. And a constructive dismissal is different from a wrongful dismissal in one key respect. And that is that a wrongful dismissal is when you are told that you are explicitly being terminated and you aren't paid the appropriate severance. A constructive dismissal is when the employer acts in such a way so that you can say, by your actions, I am interpreting them to mean that I am no longer employed. It's a unilateral action by the employer to change an essential term or condition of employment. The two keys there being unilateral and essential. So it has to be something like, um, you know, the, the nature or stature of your job, your pay, the where you work, something like that. That's essential. That's a key component to your job. Okay. Um, and it has to be unilateral, meaning that it has to be the company's decision that's being imposed upon you. If you're an employee in that situation, you of course have the option to agree to it. You know, I have a lot of clients who call me to say that they're being moved to a part-time basis. Um, and I tell them you, that is technically a constructive dismissal, you know, reducing your yeah. hours, even potentially yeah. by five or 10 hours a week can constitute a constructive dismissal. And a lot of people say, well, you know what? I'm kind of transitioning to retirement. So I'm okay to reduce to part time. This works for me. Then great consent to it and be on your way. But if you are an employee who sees this change happening or this change has already been announced and it's not something that you want to do, you don't want to relocate, you don't want to work um, in another department, uh, you're not prepared to take a pay cut, it doesn't work for you right now, then that is something that you should know that you're entitled to claim is a termination of your employment entitling right. you to severance. The key here though is that time is of the essence. You don't have forever to make this decision. As soon as a change has been made, the clock starts to tick. And it's not immediate. Yep. You certainly have some time to sit on it, try it out even, you know, call a lawyer, call your family members. Um, but at the end of the day, that's something that you want to act on uh, and claim a constructive dismissal on if that's the route you're going to go in, you know, four to eight weeks from the date of your termination. Good stuff there. We'll take a short break. Get in your phone calls. Lines are wide open. Plenty of room for you. Come on in. 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. This is the Employment Hour. Just getting started and rolling and warmed up right here on CKNW. 
Yeah, we're just getting rolling. Really, lots of time for you to call in and ask your questions, Leah, here uh, to answer them. 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on yourself. Feel free to call in. It is a call-in show. You want to know any time, of course, what your severance should be. That is simple, severancepaycalculator.com. And email, we'll see if we can get to some before the end of the show. That would be help at employmenthour.com. Very simple stuff to remember. And uh, use to reach out and contact either during the show hour or after hours as well. Leah's there, always uh, ready to answer your questions and give some advice. Talking about termination, uh, the basics of termination when people don't know, Leah. I want to jump right into this. Um, When can your employment be terminated? Any time, which is a very very scary (laughs) answer, but any time. And it's so important that people know that because I feel like a lot of people who call me after their termination just feel like they've been railroaded. Um, Your employer can terminate you at any time as long as your termination is without cause. Timing really only becomes important if your termination is with cause. And so... Let's talk about the difference between these two for a second. A without cause termination and a with cause termination. A a with cause or for cause or for just cause termination means that Mm -hmm. your employer believes that it has a legal reason to terminate you without giving you anything. So without paying you any severance. They believe that you've acted in such a way so as to fundamentally breach the employment relationship such that you, the employee, become the party responsible for bringing about the end of the employment relationship. And this essentially eliminates any obligation uh, that the employer might have with respect to severance, meaning they don't have to pay you anything. It's a lot, and I liken this a lot to an at-fault collision. You are not going to be paid for your injuries if you were the one who drove through the red light. Um, In an employment relationship, driving through a red light would be like stealing from your employer, Um, committing fraud, you know, harassment, acting violently towards your colleagues, a history of insubordination, or even a well-documented history of poor performance. But this is where the timing comes in. An employer who wants to terminate an employee with cause has to do so immediately preceding that offending event. You know, so right after they've stolen or punched their colleague or after they've spent sufficient time building a case against you. And if an if employer is trying to claim it has caused performance issues, for example, it can't just take one poor performance review and use that as justification to terminate you for cause. For the less serious offenses like performance, um, absenteeism, insubordination, the employer needs to have provided you with a ton of warnings, you know, made their expectations really clear and known to you and given you an actual opportunity to improve. It's only after all of this, from a timing perspective, that an employer can terminate you with cause. If they wait, if they wait too long after the offending event, then they can be seen to have condoned the behavior. So that's where the timing of a with cause really comes into play. A without cause termination, on the other hand, means that it's without reason and you're being provided severance as a result of your termination. And a without cause termination can happen at any time the employer thinks it's necessary. And this, like I said, is one of the biggest misconceptions that people have when it comes to contract or, you know, quote, permanent, unquote, employment. People believe that there's more security in a permanent position. You know, I certainly understand why it's called a permanent position, but don't be fooled Mm -hmm. because no matter what type of work you have, no matter the position, your employment can be terminated at any time. And the only thing that protects you is not the label of permanency, 
it is a contract. It is a contract that provides generously for your termination entitlements. Or if you're an employee, it means no contract. Because if you don't have a contract, it means that you're going to get your termination entitlements in accordance with the common law. And that is always better for employees. Yeah, we often, uh, you know, we often joke in the show that if you went in one day and your, uh, your boss says, you know what, you drive a gray car. I like red cars better, so I'm letting you go as asinine as that sounds. If they pay you proper full severance according to the common law, they can actually do that. As, as silly as it sounds, they can do that. It's all about severance, correct? Yeah. I mean, and you've got, you've got a lot of people who will say, you know, uh, well, my client or my um, my co- the company told me that it was because of a restructuring, you know. But mm-hmm. they just hired on a whole new department. They just hired on, you know, Cindy and Bobby and whatever. You know, it it that really doesn't matter, and that leads really nicely into into our next um, topic, which is a right. which is exactly about whether or not an employer needs a reason to terminate you, and they do not, and that always comes as a surprise to at least one person that I speak to a week. And and I understand why. But if you are a non-unionized employee, your employer can terminate you at any time for any reason, as long Mm -hmm. as that reason is not discriminatory. And like you said, John, they pay you your full severance entitlements. I have a lot of people who call me asking me if they've been wrongfully dismissed because they were terminated, notwithstanding the fact that they were excellent performers or that they had the most seniority uh, or that they were terminated for no reason at all. But the only time the reason for your termination can give rise to a wrongful dismissal claim is when you were terminated because of your gender or sexual orientation or gender and identification, race, disability, religion, any of those characteristics that are specifically protected by our human rights legislation. That's the only time the reason matters. Barring this, a company can terminate you because that you drive a great car, like you said, or things like fit, you know, which means almost nothing, um, you know, or for absolutely no reason whatsoever, as long as they pay you the severance that you are entitled to. In your experience, would you say it would be fair to say that uh, when it comes to for-cause terminations, uh, employers generally, whether they mean to or not, they pull the trigger way too fast? Oh, with four cause terminations, for sure. Um, you yeah. know, I, I think that when you're in, when I, I have an employer client who wants to terminate somebody for cause, I generally say, great, where's, where's your, how big's your file, right? How many inches right. is the file that you have on the employee? Um, you know, okay. and if they don't have one, then I, then I really encourage them to rethink it. I think a lot of employers get to the, the mental place where they need to terminate somebody, uh, without having papered the file. And unless you right. have somebody who has uh who's committed something really heinous um then you've got to have a really really thick file or else you're pulling that trigger way too soon 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell we'll get to our uh, first call of the afternoon harm how are you thank you for calling in thanks for taking my call um actually this call is on behalf of my father-in-law i just wanted to ask a question Uh, my father-in-law has been working for a business for a while maybe 40 something years and recently what had happened was somebody was stealing from the business okay and the management was going around and asking people if they knew anything about this and uh, my father-in-law said why are you even asking us like you guys have surveillance why don't you look at that and uh, so I guess they did, and they they saw the person that was doing it, and somehow, in some way, it got to that person that was actually doing the stealing that my father-in-law was the one that told them. 
Um, mm. And my father-in-law didn't even give any names. He just said, you guys have the equipment. Just go ahead and take a look at it. Anyways, the person that was caught doing it uh, uh, drove to my father-in-law's place and threatened him and all, so on and so forth. Oh, my goodness. So my, yeah, so my father-in-law hasn't been to work in about a month and a half because of the, you know, he's has now, now he's starting to have these mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of this, and so he's quite upset because he thinks that the the company totally, you know, wasn't looking out for his interest. There's no way that that person would have known it was my father-in-law who said it. Somebody at management must have said, like, you know, hey, he's the yeah. one that gave us this information. Oh, wow. So he's on he's on <laughs> short-term disability, so he's out pay because the short-term disability doesn't really pay him as much as he was getting paid before mm-hmm. and he feels really uncomfortable going back to work the other person is still working at that place it's become a situation so he doesn't know what to do um the employee who was caught stealing is still working there yes i mean that just it's generally a union <laughs> environment it's oh it's a union environment okay yeah, and is so your is your father-in-law mm-hmm. unionized as well he is unionized as well and and the thing is is that um, he approached the union to help him, mm-hmm. but the union was also helping the other person. Yeah, oh, no, and that's the story before. I mean, yeah, that's very, very common to a union because they have to represent all of their uh, all the people in their their uh, their bargaining unit. Um, mm-hmm. But with with your father, um, there should be or father in law, there should be in the collective bargaining agreement some sort of mechanism or protocol for making some sort of complaint. Um, and, and it's really critical, I think, for your father-in-law to let the company know, either through the union or directly, that <clears throat> this employee found out that he was the one who was connected in some way with this guy being caught out, and that he's since been threatened, and that it's as a result of these threats and these actions that he has been um, that he's been suffering mentally and been on leave. It's extremely important that you put the employer on notice of that situation because then yeah. the employer will have a positive obligation to assist you. It just might be that you need to do that through your union. Okay, thank you so much. You're welcome, Harm. Good luck. Thanks, I appreciate that. And uh, moving forward, your phone calls, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on, uh, on your cell. Right back at it after a, uh, a short break here. It's the Employment Hour on CKNW. And we are back. It's uh, 433. Plenty of time for you to call in, ask your questions here, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. In the meantime, talking about termination in general, another question I know you get all the time and people wonder when it happens. Can you be terminated while on leave? Yeah, I do get that question all the time, uh, both from employees and employers, because I think a lot of people think that being on a leave makes you untouchable. But this actually is not true, at least not from a strict, strictly legal speaking perspective. Um, as I said before, an employer can terminate you for any reason at any time, and that includes being on a leave. Um, the key here is that the fact that you are on a leave isn't the reason 
for the termination. It actually can't even be a fraction of the reason for the termination. Um, and the, the way that I tend to put it is this way. You can be terminated while on leave, but you can't be terminated because you are on leave, which is a very important distinction when it comes to terminations while you are on leave. Um, but this is also just the law, right? It, you, it's legal to be terminated on leave, but that doesn't mean that it's smart for an employer to let somebody go who's on leave. I have a few employer clients who I help with employment contracts and terminations, and I rarely, if ever, give them the green light to terminate someone on leave unless they've got reams of paperwork to support the reasons for the termination. And obviously, those reasons have nothing to do with the person being on leave. So, you know, I just had an employer client call me about how they're shutting down their entire operations and they've uh, fired most of their employees to date, but that there was one remaining employee who was on leave and they didn't know what to do. And right. the answer is you terminate them, right? I uh, mean, if the company is shutting down, there's absolutely no way that the employee can come back and say, I was terminated because I was on disability leave. The problem for most employers is that, I mean, unless you're in a very specific specific circumstance like that, mm-hmm. is that terminating somebody on leave doesn't look very good. No um, it's not good yeah. from an optics perspective. You know, if an employee says they're going on leave and then they're terminated, you know, one week later, I think that the employer would have a terribly uphill battle proving that the leave wasn't a factor. So I wouldn't really, I wouldn't tend to suggest it from a practical standpoint, and it actually rarely happens. I think because of that, but ultimately you are not legally immune from being terminated because you are on leave. How about we'll take it one step further? And I mean, we often say on the show we're going to get coffee mugs and T-shirts made. You know, don't mess with mama. How about maternity and paternity leave as well? Even that—that's even a, a sharper sword, yeah. It, yeah, but but still, right? I, yeah. I mean, my my big thing when I'm speaking to you about employers about timing for terminations is that. You know, you want to be as fair as possible to the employee. And if you're being as fair as possible, you know, you don't want to hand the employee a reason to, um, you know, to feel angry. And because of that misconception, because a lot of people think that you can't be terminated while on leave, um, you have a lot of people who are terminated or have their jobs changed while they're on leave feel very angry. And like yeah. something that has been done to them is, is wrong and they take it very personally and they will go see a lawyer. And a lot of lawyers, you know, will look at that objectively and reasonably and say, I understand you're angry and I understand why you're taking it personally, you know, but unless there's something fishy about the timing or unless, you know, certain kind of insidious comments were made or they were the only one that was terminated, um, then, you know, most lawyers are going to say it probably wasn't related to your termination. But, right. you know, not all lawyers are created equal, right? No uh. no uh, offense to the other people in the bar here, but, you know, you've got a lot of people out there who will just kind of throw spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks. Right. And if yep. you've got somebody calling who's all fire and brimstone and angry and wants to spend money to try to take their employer to task, a lot of lawyers, well, I shouldn't say a lot of lawyers. Some lawyers will take you up on that. Um, right. So as an employer, if you know that that's a possibility, you've got to do everything you can to mitigate against that possibility. And to me, I think that includes not terminating people while on leave unless it's really, really necessary. And yes, John, that absolutely extends to people who are on maternity leave. Um, you know, maternity leave can be 
a bit trickier um, because you've got people who have a specific timeline about returning to work. And so if you right. have, you know, if you have an employer say, you know, six months into what's supposed to be a 12 month maternity leave, well, we don't have a spot for you. That in my mind, looks fishy. That's crystal balling a little bit. Well, how do you know what the yeah. job, the landscape is going to look like in six months from now, right? And that, right. and that does look like you're letting somebody go, at least in part, because they're on maternity leave. And like I said, it just has to be a part. It doesn't have to be the full reason. You can have mm-hmm. five out of six reasons be legitimate. If that six reasons ha- doesn't pass the smell test, then you could be looking at a human rights code complaint. The number is 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell phone. Plenty of time for you to call in, ask your questions about this or any other topic that has to do with your workplace, your boss, your severance. Bring it on here and answer your questions till just before uh, 5 o'clock this afternoon. Talking about termination, um, what are you entitled to when you're terminated? Yeah, the big one, right? That's, that yeah. is the big question. Big what do I get if I'm going to be terminated? Um, and again, it depends on whether or not you're terminated on a without cause or cause basis. And it has to be a legitimate cause basis. But if you're terminated on a without cause basis and there's no suspected discriminatory motivation behind the termination, you're entitled to severance. And you're entitled as a baseline to severance under the legislation, so under the BC Employment Standards Act, and and severance under the common law. You have both of those entitlements unless you have a contract that says otherwise. And let's talk about that difference for a while because you know, we can talk about it, I think, every single week on this show, and I still think that it's worth repeating. Even if one other person understands the difference between an Employment Standards Act entitlement and a common law entitlement. The Employment Standards Act is the piece of law uh, in BC that sets out an employee's minimum severance entitlements, you know, guaranteeing that everybody who is covered under the Employment Standards Act will at least get something if you've been there for longer than three months. If you know, if you've been there for more than three months, you'll get the week. If you've been there for more than 12 months, you get two weeks. And if you've been there for more than three years, you get three weeks plus an additional week for every year of service to a maximum of eight weeks. And although it says the maximum is eight weeks, these entitlements, again, are your base minimums under the Employment Standards Act. They are your floor. They're not your ceiling. The only way that you legally max out at your Employment Standards Act entitlements is if you have signed an enforceable and legal contract that specifically and explicitly makes them your ceiling. Without this, without a contract, you're also, in addition to that maximum of eight weeks, entitled to severance under the common law. And the common law tells us that employees who are terminated are actually entitled to much more severance than is provided by employment standards legislation. In fact, the very rough, very rough metric we use to determine someone's entitlements under the common law is one month for every year of service. You know, and, and of course, a follow-up question to all of this is what makes up your severance? So when I'm assessing right. a severance package, I look at the length of the notice period and I look at what makes up the severance mm-hmm. period. You know, is it just your base salary? Uh, you know, do what counts? Commissions, benefits, bonuses, car allowance? And the answer is everything. Everything counts. When you're terminated on a without cause basis, you're entitled to notice of that termination, right? To be told, hey, John, you know, it's, uh, I don't even know what day it is, January 20th now, and your employment will be ending September 20th. So there's nine months of notice. Now, if your employer Mm -hmm. opts to pay you out, 
instead of giving you notice, which most do and for good reason, they have to make you whole, which means that you're entitled to receive everything that you would have received as if you had worked to September. This includes benefits. It includes MSP payments, bonuses, commissions, car allowance, phone allowance, everything that you were receiving as part of your remuneration as an employee, you should be compensated for on a termination. Now, are they generally going to give you a lump sum or is it going to be payment over time? Well, um, you know, they don't have to give you a lump sum. I generally recommend that employers do. I, I just think that it's it's easier. Both hand, both parties can just kind of make the transaction and walk away from it. But yeah. severance pay can also be paid in installments, um, or it can be paid in a combination of any of those methods. Mm-hmm. It can also be provided, as I just said, in the form of working notice. So you could be entitled to that nine months of your termination, uh, but be required to work it out. You know, I spoke with a gentleman recently who is provided with working notice of his employment and he decided that for personal reasons he simply wasn't going to go in you know he couldn't face them didn't want to and had lost his motivation and believe me i definitely get it i I don't really understand working notice much myself to be honest Um, but that doesn't mean that it isn't the employer's right to insist on it if that's what the employer wants to do what i will say is that in this scenario if your employer is providing you with working notice and expecting you to work full-time during this period, then I think you're entitled to a longer period of notice. You know, the amount of notice you're entitled to is all about how long it's going to take you to find other employment, right? And looking for a job is a full-time job if you're doing it right. So if you're working during that time, our courts have found that it's going to take you more time and that you are therefore entitled to more notice. We'll take a, a short break. This uh, has you scratching your head. Do you have comments or questions about anything we've talked about so far? Uh, bring it on or something else uh, about your job, your employment, your severance. Please call 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your Celsius employment hour right here on CKNW. You still have some time to call in here and ask your questions if uh, something's bothering you or otherwise you just want to know 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell if you want to reach out after the show it's help at employmenthour.com and always go to severancepaycalculator.com to find out what you're really owed don't sign anything till you at least do that and then call leah and uh, move on from there going to wrap up our discussion on termination question will i lose my entitlements if i don't sign by the deadline because we've always seen that you know i got to have it back friday by five people start to panic right Yes, they do. And actually, when I was um, speaking with my uh, assistant, Courtney, about um, the show this week, she was saying, you got to talk about the deadline stuff, because this is the most common question that she yep. gets asked when she does the initial intakes and when she she talks to people. And we say it all the time. It, you know, it's basically our motto, you know, right after don't mess with the mamas, of course, your rights don't expire Friday at five. They, they crystallize, they become what they are the moment that you're terminated and no passing of deadlines is going to change that. So no need to panic when you get that deadline, uh, for your severance package. Now, you know, I think that it's not necessarily a good idea to ignore those deadlines. Um, you know, I think that a good idea is to speak to the company and ask for an extension so that you can seek legal advice. Um, but, Ultimately, if you respond a day or two afterwards, um, it does not change anything about what you're entitled to. So, you know, why do companies provide a deadline if it's essentially meaningless? Right. 
Um, you know, and I think sometimes, unfortunately, it's because they want to exert some kind of pressure on you, right? They want you to feel the crunch, like you've got this, you know, time limited opportunity to accept their offer. You know, it makes you feel like you've got no time to speak to a lawyer. And if they're making it sound like it's something that might slip away, you know, perhaps you'll think that, oh, you know, they're being generous by adding those extra two weeks on and I don't want to lose that. So I'm just going to sign. You know, there are all sorts of reasons why a company would impose a deadline on the package. But the expiration of what your rights are is not one of them. So if a deadline is put in front of you and you are feeling that pressure, like I said, ask for more time. It's just as simple as that. Tell them that you want to seek legal advice or, you know, if you don't want to say that, just tell them that you want some more time to think about it and that you need another week. I have never, ever seen this request refused. Well, they can't. And I mean, it's a, the fact that they're putting a deadline in there, people worry, oh, they're going to take the offer off the table. No, they won't. No, of course they, they won't. They won't. I, I'm, I've never, I've, I've actually never seen that. Um, you know, like I said, a, a lot of people put the deadline in there. A lot of companies put the deadline in there just to, just to make you feel like you've got no other choice, right? If you're not yep. thinking clearly and, you know, maybe you can't get into a lawyer's office for three or four days, then you might just sign it, especially if, you know, the, the, um, the termination package is, is phrased something like, you know, we're going to give you your, you know, seven weeks of entitlements under the Employment Standards Act, like we're obligated to do. And then in a fit of generosity and not because we have to at all, you know, here is an, here's an additional three weeks if you sign this release. Mm. But those three weeks, you're not going to get them if you don't sign that release by Friday at five. And I think a lot of people think, I mean, that's three weeks. That's three weeks of my salary. And, you know, I I, I mean, what do I know? I'm just going to sign the release and just be done with it and take those three Mm -hmm. weeks rather than risk getting rid of it. But those in the entitlements to those three weeks, the entitlement to that extra, the extra time is something that is yours already. Plus, you probably have more entitlements than the additional three weeks. They're just trying to get away with a fast one by making it sound like they're giving you something in exchange for something they really want, which is a release of all rights. And if you sign that piece of paper, if you sign that severance package, then there's nothing that you can do about it. And you know, you can't go after, even if I were to tell you you're entitled to 12 months instead of three additional weeks, nothing you can do about it. I guess the only way they can go back, and I guess this, this is fairly rare, especially for a sophisticated organization, is if they say, you know, you got to sign this on the spot as you're looking at us. Here's a pen. Click. Sign. That yeah. we can't do. Yeah. The release question is always a tricky one. Um, you know, you have a mm. lot of... Uh, courts, most courts, I would say, are going to enforce a release because that is something that co- the company can very easily establish a reliance on. Um, but if undue pressure was exerted on an employee yes. in that moment, um, you know, especially given the context of the employment relationship, the imbalance of power in the employment relationship, mm-hmm. the fact that upon being terminated, you're crushed. You know, you're very personally right. vulnerable. Um, to have somebody sit there and say, we kind of need this now. You know, we need you to sign this right now, right here and now. You know, especially if you say, I- I'd like to get legal advice. I'd like to leave. And the company comes yeah. back and says, you know, well, too bad. You're really, you're going to give up those three extra weeks unless you sign this here and now. Then I think a lot mm-hmm. of courts are going to look at that as being unconscionable and that you signed that under what's known as undue duress, 
And that renders the release unenforceable. But certainly do not make that presumption. The the better thing to do is just to not sign. But if you're listening to this thinking, oh man, I you know, I signed a release, I wonder if I'm entitled to more, and you're in, you were in a situation where you were unduly pressured, it never hurts to give us a call. I'd be happy to chat with you just to see if there's anything that we can do for you. By the way, that number is 604-283-3123 to reach out, contact Leah and her team, help at employmenthour.com as well. Something that's uh, very much been in the spotlight for 2017 and, of course, 2018 was harassment in the workplace uh, and in general. Um, And I'm sure that will continue to a certain degree in the next uh, few years anyway, even though it's been in the spotlight. Uh, Harassment, as far as the workplace is concerned, what is it? What's considered harassment? And that's the easiest place to start, right? Is Well, it should be the easiest place to start, is with the definition. And harassment, legally speaking, and defined by WorkSafeBC, is any kind of inappropriate conduct or comment by a person towards another that that person knows or should know uh, can cause humiliation or intimidation or would be unwelcome. It can be verbal. It can include spreading rumors. It definitely mm-hmm. includes calling someone derogatory names. Um, and of course, harassment includes any kind of unwanted physical touching or aggression. It's a fairly wide ambit. Um, you know, it's very, it can be very subjective. But it's also important to note what harassment is not because WorkSafe BC also goes to considerable pains to determine what harassment is not. And okay. it's not a reasonable action taken by an employer or a manager or supervisor relating to the management of workers. You know, so a supportable but less than glowing performance review or a change in policy would not generally count as harassment under the law. You know, a difference of opinion doesn't count as harassment so long as they're respectfully communicated. But, you know, outside of reasonable steps taken to manage the workplace, targeted actions or comments that cause you as an employee to feel isolated or anxious or intimidated, they very likely constitute harassment as it's defined by WorkSafeBC. What should you do if you feel uh, like you're being harassed or bullied in the workplace? What are your first couple steps? Well, I mean, your employer, if they are following the law, should have a uh, harassment and bullying um, policy and procedure in place. And if you're an employee and you feel like you're being harassed, follow those procedures for reporting the incident. You know, you have a right as an employee, you have a right as an employee to harassment-free workplace. So put that policy to work for you. Make the complaint, move up the chain, and ensure that it's adequately addressed like the policy says it's going to be. But... You know, I understand that that's simply not feasible for everybody. You know, underreporting of harassment is an endemic issue. And how we solve that will take much longer for us to talk about than the minute we have left. You know, if I had a minute and a half, I could probably solve it. But I can't do it in a minute. You know, and while that certainly shouldn't stop you, the fear of, you know, escalating things, I do understand why a lot of people feel that way. So at the very least, if if you don't want to move up the chain, if you don't want to make a formal complaint, write it down. Paper that file, put yeah. it in an email to yourself yep. so you've got the date and tam- time stamp, uh, and write down what happened, who did it, how it was dealt with or not dealt with, and hold on to it if you need it. Um, you know, Better yet, send the email or the emails once you have a few to the person who's offending you, but at the very least, start compiling that record of everything that's happening in the workplace. 
Good for another week. Maybe we'll pick up on this one uh, next Sunday, possibly. It's a, it's a broad topic, but an important one as well. You want to reach out to Leah now that we're done for the uh, for the week. 604-283-3123. Help at employmenthour.com. You also have the option of going to VancouverEmploymentLawyers.ca. And always, as we always say every show, don't sign anything at least until you've contacted the SeverancePayCalculator.com website as well and look there. Till next time, this has been the Employment Hour right here on CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.